This morning's reading is taken from 2 Samuel and it's chapter 12 on page 315 in the Pew Bibles. The Lord sent Nathan to David and when he came to him he said, There were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb that he had bought. He raised it and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveller came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveller who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I anoint you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you, and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to the one who is close to you, and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. But because by doing this you have made the enemies of the Lord show utter contempt, the son born to you will die. And after Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had borne to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and went into his house and spent the nights lying on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused, and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's servants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was living, we spoke to David, but he would not listen to us. How can we tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his servants were whispering among themselves and he realised that the child was dead. Is the child dead, he asked. Yes, they replied, he is dead. And then David got up from the ground and after he had washed, put on lotions and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. 
Then he went to his own house, and at his request, they served him food, and he ate. His servants asked him, Why are you acting in this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. He answered, Well, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept, and I thought, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba, and he went to her and lay with her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him, and because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan, the prophet, to name him Jedidiah. Meanwhile, Joab fought against Rabbah of the Ammonites and captured the royal citadel. Joab then sent messengers to David, saying, I have fought against Rabbah and taken its water supply. Now muster the rest of the troops and besiege the city and capture it. Otherwise, I shall take the city and it will be named after me. So David mustered the entire army and went to Rabbah and attacked and captured it. He took the crown from the head of their king. Its weight was a talent of gold and it was set with precious stones and it was placed on David's head. He took a great quantity of plunder from the city and brought out the people who were there, consigning them to labour with saws and with iron picks and with axes, and he made them work at brick-making. He did this to all the Ammonite towns, and then David and his entire army returned to Jerusalem. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, it's a real pleasure to be with you uh, again uh, this morning. It's uh, been a good few months since we were last here. So, uh, yeah, Gemma and I are very happy to be with you again to see lots of familiar faces. So uh, that's, all, that's all very, very good. Um, the, uh, uh, it's, um, yeah, it's really nice to, to, to be back here. So the, um, uh, the thing which is, has been in the news an awful lot the last uh, couple of weeks has been the story of Mr. Bates versus the post office. I'm sure we're aware of it and, and how much attention that this story has, uh, has got in, uh, in recent uh, weeks. Um, this story is, has really been one of the major news stories of, uh, of 2024 so far. Um, and uh, it's, it's a story of great injustice. It's, it's something that's still ongoing, and it's really captured the public imagination. One of the big questions that people have been asking uh, about, uh, about it is, why now? Why has it taken until now for this story to become public? This, this is, all this information has been publicly known for a good many years, and, and if you've been following the news, that you, we've heard about these stories in newspapers, on the TV, in the, on the radio. And, and all these things have been, it's been available, but there hasn't been such a big public outcry until now. And it's because there's been a TV drama made about it that suddenly this massive outcry has arisen. So why has it taken until now? 
And I would suggest that it's testament to the power of a good story well told. Now, I don't know if you've watched the, uh, the ITV drama, but it's got lots of recognisable actors that we've seen in lots of other TV programmes and films. It's got, uh, it's really sim- straight, simply and straightforwardly told, even though it is a complicated story. It's easy to follow and uh, it's uh, very engaging and it's with the people who are the main characters in it, it's very easy for us all to imagine ourselves being in that situation or people we know being in that situation. So it's, uh, it's not just a matter of reading news headlines. It's not just uh, the, uh, the reports that we might be able to read or hear, uh, but it's telling it as a story. The story is really the important side of things. So, it's all, yeah, it's all testament to the power of a good story. And that's what we see in this passage today, the power of a good story. We've got Nathan, the prophet Nathan, telling a story to David which has immense power. Now, before we look at the story uh, itself, um, you may well remember that uh, last... Um, last year at some point, September I think it was, that uh, my brother came here and uh, spoke. Um, My brother, who is also called Nathan. Um, And now, if any of you have looked up anything that he does uh, with uh, Speak Life, you'll know that he he describes himself as a reformed mythologist, okay? Which I think he made reference to that when he was here. But it's one of those things you think, what on earth does that mean? But... Reformed in terms of that's how his theological understanding of, uh, uh, of the Bible can be described. And a mythologist as in being fascinated with stories and the power that stories have. So it's something that uh, he's been thinking about an awful lot. Um, and uh, it's worth noting as well that uh, our parents, my dad's here today, um, named Nathan after Nathan the prophet from this, uh, from this passage of the Bible. Um, so it's quite an appropriate uh, fascination for Nathan to have. Um, and much as it pains me to say it, some of the stuff that he does is quite good. So um, if you want to check out Speak Life and the things that they're involved in, then please, uh, please do that. Um, so yes, we have the power of these uh, different stories. And... Uh, we see throughout the Bible lots of different times where stories are used to, uh, to illustrate a point. Um, of course, we, we know that Jesus told lots of stories. The parables that we hear about from the Gospels are stories. The, the Good Samaritan, the Prodigal Son, those are very well-known stories. They're not things that actually happened. Jesus made them up to illustrate a point so that people could understand better who God is, how much he loves us, okay, and his power and authority. So Jesus knew the power of stories to engage people. And uh, so that's a, this is another example of the power of stories to speak to us and to tell us uh, some truths about ourselves or about God and who he is. So... Um, we have uh, this uh, story where um, Nathan the prophet is aware of who David is and uh, what he has done, um, but David himself is not aware of his own sinful nature. He, he either is um, 
ignorant of it or, as, as is more likely, he is refusing to see it. Uh, but this story reveals it to him. So David uh, is listening to this story from, uh, from Nathan about this rich man who has all these sheep and cattle, but when it comes to uh, welcoming a guest, he steals the one, uh, one sheep that this poor man has and uses that to make a meal for this guest. And David is completely and utterly incensed by this. It's, it's outrageous. How can we possibly accept that this could be the uh, appropriate behavior at all? And he's saying that, no, he needs, to, he needs to pay that back four times. I mean, David knows his, his law. He knows what, uh, what, should be, um, uh, what the penance should be. But he doesn't recognize that this story is all about him. And it takes... Uh, takes Nathan saying to David you are the man this story is about you and what you have done so uh, it's, a, it's a really clear way of um, uh, Nathan making that point of, the, uh, of who David is and what he has done now this, uh, this uh, passage did talk a little bit about it, but the, the details are actually in the chapter before. So I'll just remind us that uh, uh, it's all about um, David and uh, Bathsheba. Um, who uh, Now, David was a very rich and powerful king at this time. He had uh, lots of wives and he had lots of concubines as well. So he had all these women available to him, basically to serve all of his needs and he saw another woman and thought, hmm, she looks a bit of all right. Quite fancy her. And he thinks, I'm going to make her another one of my wives. But there's the big problem is that she's already married. She's married to Uriah the Hittite, who is in David's army. So David, as this rich, powerful uh, military king, is able to arrange things so that Uriah is sent off to war in a battalion where David is pretty sure that Uriah is going to be killed in battle. And that's exactly what happens. Uriah is killed, so Bathsheba no longer has a problem. David's not looking at Uriah as, uh, as a man. He's just an inconvenience that he needs to get out of the way. This is a terrible way to think about people. So uh, he can then take Bathsheba to be his wife uh, for himself. So that's, that's the story that Nathan is uh, pointing out with the way that uh, this, this rich man steals the one lamb from the, uh, the poor man. Now, it's, uh, it's a, pointing out that there are um, consequences for David's sin as well. That's also what Nathan is uh, showing in this passage. So... Uh, we have um, this calamity, I am going to bring calamity upon you. That's what it says in verse 11. That's what the Lord is promising to David because of his sin. There is a direct consequence for David's sin. There's going to be a great punishment and it ultimately is going to lead to the death of David and Bathsheba's son. And that's actually hitting David where it really hurts him as a father. Okay. 
Now, David, as I've said, is a great king. He's a great ruler. And we all know the stories of uh, how David became king. We know about the story of David and Goliath, this amazing uh, victory that this uh, small boy had over this great giant. We know the stories of how David was anointed, was chosen to be king, but Saul, the previous king, was in direct opposition and was really fighting against that. And David had to overcome Saul as well. These stories are all, are, are all well known to us, but they would have been well known to David and all the people at the time as well. So David has started to uh, believe his own hype. He believed that he was great. He'd forgotten that he couldn't have done any of that on his own. He'd forgotten that it was actually God who was doing all of that through him. Uh, so that's a um, uh, David's sort of hubris is, uh, is building up and he's just got this bigger and bigger opinion of himself and how powerful he is. But at the same time, he's not a perfect man. And as a father, he was a bit of a failure. Now, David had a lot of children and a lot of them we don't know much about at all. But there are some of them who are named. And actually, if you continue to read through 2 Samuel and others of the history books, you hear more about uh, some of David's sons. In particular, in, in uh, the, uh, the very next chapter, uh, we hear about Amnon, one of D- uh, David's sons, who, who rapes his own sister, which is disgraceful behavior in, in every culture. There's n- it's not acceptable at all. We also hear later about uh, Absalom, another one of David's sons, who led a revolt against David, trying to take the throne for himself. He wanted all the power. He didn't want to respect his father as king. He didn't want to respect God's will either. And the same can be said for later for Adonijah, who comes along and wants to make himself king when Solomon is uh, the chosen one and later has to be executed. These are all sons of David. They're not a great testimony for how good David was as a father. Um, and it's, it's the, um, one of the ways in which there is a challenge for, for us today, I think. It's one of the ways that there's a challenge to those of us who are fathers, those of us who are parents, those of us who have any sort of responsibility for the next generation, is that we might do great things, but do we get everything right? Do we do right by our children? That's, that's a big question. It's a big challenge to us, and we always have to, to think about the, the consequences of our behavior. It, it's, um, uh, th- there's the, the Old Testament refrain about how um, there will be uh, th- that. God will punish to the third and fourth generation because of our sins. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a direct punishment from God. But if we behave badly, it may have consequences for our children, and that may in turn have consequences for their children. It's not to say they don't have any responsibility themselves as well, but these consequences can pass on because of the circumstances that we have created. 
Uh, we can all see it all the time. I'm sure we're all aware of uh, situations in, uh, in our communities, in, in uh, our friendships, in, in our families as well, where there are broken relationships. Somebody may have acted in, a, in an entirely wrong way which has led to the breakdown of a relationship, the breakdown of a marriage. And then that will have consequences for other people in that family the children of that marriage. There will be consequences. Children uh, who have to deal with warring parents, you've then got to, uh, you then grow up with that and there's still going to be things that you've got to, to deal with to do with that as well. There, there are still consequences and it will affect how they have a good relationship with their own children. There will still be consequences. So that's not to blame anyone or anything more than any, anyone else, but we do have to be aware of the consequences that our behaviour uh, has and how that can pass on through generations, much as we think it won't. But it's, it's, uh, it's not all bad news. It's not all doom and gloom, because this is not the end of the story. It's not Nathan going to David and just saying, You've messed up. God's going to punish you. That's it. That's not how the story finishes. Because uh, David's attitude is actually quite amazing in that he just says, in verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. He recognizes that he has done wrong. He doesn't offer any excuses. He doesn't say, oh, but it was because of this. Oh, it was because of that. Oh, but hang on, you'd forgotten about this. He doesn't say anything like that. He just says, I have sinned against the Lord. Okay. Anyone who uh, listens to Taylor Swift might recognize it saying, I'm the problem, it's me. That's what David's saying here. So, there's a, um, there's, uh, David's repentance is quite incredible in many ways. But there will still be consequences. As these examples I just gave you of David's sons, the, these are all after this exact passage. Okay? So these consequences are still to play out. Uh, that, uh, but at least David has said, I have sinned against the Lord. He's willing to repent but it does say in uh, in verse uh, yeah 13 and 14 the lord has taken away your sin you are not going to die but the son born to you will die so david and bathsheba have had a had a, a baby boy while they were in this sinful relationship and the result of that is that that child is going to die and then we get the details of, of how that happens. Now, this is uh, uh, an example of, of, of a direct result. David's behavior was sinful, therefore the punishment has to come and that will lead to the death of his, his son. So we can think about that today when we, when we hear about uh, or we may experience dreadful situations or the, the death of a child or children with terrible health problems. In our society today, it's not a direct result. It's not because we were living in sin that that has a direct result on something like this for our children. 
But I think we need to be aware that these things only happen in our culture, in our society, because of our sinful behavior. There's a collective responsibility for that. It's because there is sin in our world that these things are able to happen. It was never God's plan that anything awful should happen to, uh, to children, to babies. But these things do happen, and it's because of our sin. And we all have to stand up and say, like David did, I have sinned against the Lord. Now, we can see a lot more detail about how David felt at this situation by looking at Psalm 51, which he wrote exactly at this time. In uh, Psalm 51, it says at the very beginning, the introductory lines say, a psalm of David when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. So David wrote this song exactly at that moment, Psalm 51. This is a confession of sin and asking for cleansing from sin. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'll just read a few verses from it. It begins, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. David's recognizing that he's done wrong and he doesn't want to be like that anymore. Um, he, he goes on to, to keep saying, I know my transgressions, my sin is before me. But then he's also saying, cleanse me. Okay, I shall be clean, wash me, and I shall be whiter, with the, whiter than snow. David wants to be different. He wants to change his attitude. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. So David's taken this, uh, this attitude and he's, um, he, he's, he's completely changing his attitude towards God. He's, he's uh, come back to God and he's remembering who God is and how much God has done through him and that therefore God can forgive him. He's, he, he understands God's forgiveness. Um, yeah, he's turning back to God and that will lead to future blessing for David. There will still be the consequences. It doesn't save the life of his, of his son, but it does lead to future blessing in the birth of Solomon. So we see that a little bit later in the chapter. In uh, verse 24, after the child has died, David comforted his wife Bathsheba and he went to her and lay with her. She gave birth to a son and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him and, through, and because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah. So Solomon's name there comes from the Hebrew word for peace. Solomon will be a man of peace. Okay. Now, in the series that you've been looking at here, it's talking about miracle babies. So Solomon is that miracle baby. Um, he's only born after David turns back to God. And Solomon will be a wise king. He's a, he, he asks for wisdom. If you keep on reading about who Solomon uh, becomes, he asks for wisdom, and that's how God blesses him. He also is a man of peace. He rules in peace, whereas it's a big contrast to David, who ruled through war. He gained power through war, and he... Um, uh, and he maintained it through uh, through war all the way along as well. There's lots of 
battles that David's armies are fighting all the way uh, through it. Um, and, I, and it's really interesting as well that the, the very last verses of this psalm, uh, sorry, of this passage, are talking about David going back to war. So he's, he's turned back to God. He's turned away from his sinful behavior. He's been blessed through the birth of Solomon. And then he goes back to war again. So I think it's fair to say that David is still a work in progress at this point. He's, he's not got everything all sorted out just yet. And yeah, there will still be sinful behavior, as there is for, uh, for all of us. But I think it's, it's really clear that the, um, David's attitude has changed. And that's what allows this, this, uh, this blessing to come for him. So we all need to think about that today. We all need to think about how, uh, how are we failing to recognize our sinful behavior. Are there ways in which we need to turn back to God? The answer is always, yes, there are. And we need to think about how we can change our hearts. And so to keep thinking of those verses from, uh, from Psalm 51, we keep, need to keep asking to... Uh, for God to create in me a pure heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So, let's just think about how powerful stories can be. We can hear stories, we can read stories. We can watch stories and they can all have, they can move us emotionally and hopefully they will inspire us to, to do something, particularly if there's some truth about God that we can gain from those stories. So we do want to have the same attitude that David has after understanding this story. We want to um, recognize our own sinful behavior and recognize our own responsibilities as well and the consequences that they can have for other people in, uh, in, our, in our care. Yeah, so we, we, we recognize the power of a story, but we recognize the, um, the responsibilities of looking after others and the consequences that our sinful behavior can have. But it's also key for us to be repentant, to come back to God and say, I have sinned before the Lord. That's going to be the thing which helps us in our daily life to keep coming back to God. I have sinned against the Lord. Amen.